Hi, and welcome to Storytime with Rabbi Itziers. Hi, everyone. I am your host, Rabbi Itziers, together with... Me, Yossi, his sidekick. Yay! At this time, I would like to remind everybody that you are listening to jradio.com. If you would like to listen to us on the telephone, you can listen to us by dialing 712-432-4217. That number again is 712-432-4217. The number to call after the show, after the story that is, to tell us your name and what lesson you learned in tonight's story is 718-683-5858. Very good, Yassi. And, of course, if you'd like to listen to us live or on the archives, you can call 718-506-9099. That number again is 718-506-9099. And just follow the menu if you want to listen to us live or follow the archives. I would also like to take this moment to remind you that j Radio can definitely use your donations. So, the address is Javit Radio, 2829 Nostrand Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11229. That address again is Javit Radio, 2829 Nostrand Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11229. And if you would like to text in to ask for information how to sponsor or to how to advertise on JavidRadio.com, the number to text in is 347-927-8398. If you would also like to suggest a story for me to tell, and you'd like to give over all the information and all the details of it, and uh, or possibly the source for it, you may also text in 347-927-8398, and it will be forwarded to me. Yes. Okay, my turn, Rabbi Herbs. Okay, if anyone is looking to hire Rabbi Yitzhi Herbs for either storytelling, kayak from the Mayach, extreme martial arts demo, uh, you know, whether it be for, uh, you know, of a subordinate program, uh, uh, your, your yeshiva, your banos, your base yakov, whatever, your school, a private party, or a day camp, a bungalow colony, or sleepaway camp. So, of course, the number to call is 718. 718- 375-1294. That number again is 718-375-1294. Also, you should be aware, if anybody's interested uh, for information about art lessons, martial arts lessons, you know, perhaps karate, uh, private karate lessons, Qigong energy lessons, and so on, uh, you could call also 718-375-1294 for more information. And please be aware that Rabbi Erbs's books are still available in your local farm store, along with many of his CDs and a new one, too. And for those CDs that are not in the stores, you could call Rabbi Yitzhi at 718-375-1294, and he will be more than happy to send you a complete list, either by email or fax. Wow, did I get everything in? I think so. I think we can now start our story. See, let's get started right away because, you know, I never ever told this story before. As a matter of fact, the first time I ever heard this story was this year, right before Pesach. You know that? Uh, no, I didn't know that. Well, that's what it was. So I heard this story before Pesach. It's an amazing story, and I have no idea how long it's going to take now, although I know I could tell a condensed, real short version of this story, uh, you know, uh, out there, you know, but, you know, like... Well, <laughs> you're confusing me. What are you talking about? Well, actually, I heard this story for the first time uh, right before Pesach, you know, uh, about a few days before Pesach. And um, I, I kind of did it uh, a small version, a squashed version for, you know, um, uh, Chabad in, in Melbourne, Australia. What? You went to Melbourne, Australia? Well, not exactly, you see, but I mean, I mean, you know, with technologies that you have there, I can be videoed here and then seen over there. Ah, I got a technology. Okay, so um, what happened? Well, they wanted I should tell a certain particular story. 
It's a very interesting Maisa how I came to this story. Uh, okay, so if you already told the story, why you want to tell it again? Uh, the reason why I want to tell it again is because it happens to be that the very first time that I told this story, okay, it was for Melbourne, Australia. It was Rabat and everybody else that would be listening out there in Melbourne, Australia. Well, actually, I think it went through any part of Australia as well, whoever tuned in. I don't know how they do it. But anyways, you know, but, you know, like I had a certain limit of time. So um, they wanted me to tell a certain story. So originally, I'll tell you, this Maisash Kocha blew me away. Oh, I couldn't blow you too far because you're right here now back in the studio by j Radio. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But you see, the fact is as follows. You see, this story, are you ready for it? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm listening. Okay, this story, okay, um, you know, they wanted me to tell a particular story. So I said, if... It doesn't take too long for me to catch on to the story, and if I like it and I feel it has a good gift feel, yeah, then I said I would tell it. Okay, and, and so did you tell it? Did you? Did you? Did you? Well, let me tell you. So first they sent me a story, and it was very, very small. It was in Lashon Kaidish, which is fine. I can read Lashon Kaidish, you know, uh, to a certain degree. It doesn't mean I can translate everything. I'm just kidding. But anyway, so what happened was is... It was in Lashon HaKodesh. And, but the problem was, it was very, very small. So I tried to blow it up so I could be able to read it. And boom! It flips over to the side. Came very difficult to read. So I told him, send me another story. So he sent me another story. And you know what happened? No, 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 you didn't tell me yet. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> is this the story we're going to tell tonight? No, this is the story that leads up to why I'm telling the story I'm telling tonight. Oh, so what happened? Well, what happened was like this. Uh, it, it's really remarkable. So they sent me a second story. This time when I opened it up, it was extremely big. But it was so big that it would take me a very long time to read because I have to keep shifting it back and forth across my screen uh, of the computer. You know, so <laughs> it would take too long. So I said, you know what? Do me a favor. Give me a normal story a little bit, and then I can tell it one, two, three. So he sent me a different story. That story, I said, oh, this story has potential. I like this story. Okay, so let me see. Then I wanted to know how to pronounce the name. I wanted to know more about his character, you know. And um, what happened was is, is I went uh, and I emailed him. But, you know, their time difference in Australia is like about 15-something hours. So I guess I missed him uh, in the wake hours. So Lemaissa decided to research. So I researched, and I Googled the person I was going to tell a story about. The person's name was, are you ready? His name is, are you ready? Are you ready? What does R stand for? What does U stand for? Yassi, yassi. Can I talk? Uh, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, you got to get to the story. Well, if you don't interrupt, I can get to the story. Anyway, so let me tell you what happened. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, okay, good. Let me tell you. So I went over and I decided to Google to find out about... You told me that part? Yes, yes, yes. So the person that I'm telling a story about is a person named Rabbi Chaim Gutnik, Okay. Now, he's a rabbi, he was, he was Nifter in the year 2003, but he was a rabbi for approximately 45 years in a shul in all the way in, uh, I believe it's, um, where's that shul? Uh, let me think, uh, let me try to remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, the shul is an old shul. It's called the Elmud Talmud Torah Hebrew Congregation in Elwood, which was uh, in Victoria, uh, Australia, which is a suburb of Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Got that? Uh, yeah, sure, of course, I wrote it down. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, so uh, this is like a story about how he decided to become a rabbi, and he just happened to get hired over there, but that's a separate story. But the idea is, before that, this person was a businessman. I mean, he had Samicha. 
I mean, he grew up, believe it or not, he was born in uh, in Russia. Do you know that? No, I didn't know that. I know nothing about him. Okay. Well, anyways, he was born in 1921 in Zolatonsha, uh, Ukraine. Okay. And I just want you to know that uh, it's very interesting enough that he was born in 1921, like I said, and very interesting enough they eventually his father moved with the family. The family all moved to uh, Tel Aviv in Eretz Israel in 1927. And then from there, they moved to London. Okay? Because the father became one of the Chabad Rabonim in London. Okay? So that's the way it was. Now, for the school, he was eventually educated, this uh, Rabbi Chaim Gutnik, which his real full name is Rabbi Schneer Chaim Gutnik. But anyways... Rab Chaim, he was always called Rab Chaim. Okay, so Rab Chaim Gutnik, he went and he learned uh, in what they called the Jewish fr uh, free school in London. And believe it or not, that was one of the biggest Jewish schools in, 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 in not just in London, but in all across the world. It had over 4,000 students there. Yes, 4,000 Talmudim. Imagine that. Anyways, but I'm not going to go into the details of what happened over there, but I just want to tell you, after he got older, and after his father was Nifter and everything, he eventually got attached to uh, the famous, famous Dayan, who, who was the Dayan of uh, the London Besdin. And when he went to retire in his last few years, he went to live in Yerushalayim. Uh, who are you talking about? You didn't say the name. Oh, sorry, uh, Rabbi Echeskel Abramsky. So he got very close to Rabbi Cheskel Abramsky, and eventually, before the Second World War broke out, before World War II, he went to Europe and he learned in the Telzer Yeshiva in Lithuania. But then, when the war broke out, he managed Baruch Hashem to escape with some refugees, which those refugees included the famous daughter and wife of... Rabbi Yoho Eliezer Desla. Rabbi Desla, Rabbi Desla became later on the Mashkiach Ruchani in the Ponevacher Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. But anyways, under the instructions of the Friedeke Rebbe, which is known as the Riots, uh, the Babacher Rebbe, the sixth one, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, he told that Rabbi Gutnik should stay in... Um, in 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 in, uh, in Sydney, Australia, where he was. Okay, uh, actually, uh, yeah, was he in Sydney? Yeah, eventually became in Melbourne, Australia. But anyways, so he was in Sydney. Uh, I think something like that. If I got my information right. But anyways, now here's the part that blew me away. Go ahead, I'm so excited when we get to the story. <laughs> this leads up to it. So now, I read this story that he gave me. And it was a shorter version of it, but, you know, it had a lot of details. And I said, how am I going to combine this? Well, let me get to see what his personality is about. Maybe I can learn something about it. So I Google this person, Rabbi Chaim Gutnik. And now, you ready for this? I've been ready for for a while. Uh, calm down, Yossi. Okay, I'm calm. Go ahead. Tell me uh, what what is. Okay, so let me tell you what it is. Okay? Uh, and it's Mamish. Uh, and, I, and I told the person... That after this match, besides telling here, I will probably put it on j Radio. And that's what we're doing right now. Okay, would you please tell me what the match is? You keep going off the tangent. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep doing that. I'm just so excited about it. This is the thing. I Googled him, and then it had a, 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 a YouTube thing of him speaking. Are you ready? That he was speaking by some sort of a simcha, maybe it looked like a shefer brachas, or some sort of a gathering of some sort, small gathering, so it looked like more like a shefer brachas, and he was speaking, and he was introduced. And what do you think he did? He said, I can find the Devar Torah, and you want to tell over me. Okay, that's good. You can tell me the Devar Torah after you finish uh, uh, the story. So get with the story. Well, guess what? When he started speaking, he was speaking about the story that I read. What, 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 say that again? That's right. You heard right. Um, unbelievable Meister Shkocha. When I Googled him and I was listening to him and I was able to get an idea of his voice and everything, whoa, it blew me away 
that the very story that he was speaking, when he was speaking at this uh, event, he was telling the story of what happened to him, which was the story that they wanted me to tell, but I got more details because I listened out to the whole story. But it was so much details that in the small amount of time that I had to tell it over there, I couldn't tell the whole thing. But I told the person, I said to him that Mir Hashem is such a Kabbalistic story, and it actually happened. <laughs> it's unbelievable that I think Hashem wants such a story to get out. And especially at a time like this, with the coronavirus and everything like this, it, this story will help us remember that no matter what is going on, there is no doubt about it that Hashem has a cheshman from everything He does and nothing happens without Him noticing and plus the fact that mamish, I'm telling you clear, you can mamish see beyond the shadow of a doubt the Yad Hashem is in everything around us. So, so you're going to tell the story now? Yes, I am. Okay, so this is the story that happened. Okay, so approximately when he was telling it, he said it happened over 40-something years ago. Now, I'm telling the story over, and I'm ready for this. This happened over 62 years ago. This happened at, towards the end of 1957, uh, just before the year of 1958 started, and it was about three weeks before Yom Kippur. Now, this is what happened. Uh, there was a, the uh, president of, uh, of the uh, of a shul out there. Uh, out here. Oh, oh, I should tell you. There's a place in Australia called Adelaide. And, it, you know, there, the Eden that are there are mostly German and Hungarian Jews. Okay? So this was about three weeks before. And the rabbi and the chazan that was there, the Ica rabbi and the Ica chazan that was there, he left. Now, don't know the exact reason, but whatever it is, he left before Yom Kippur. Uh, three weeks, actually three weeks before Rosh Hashanah, I should say. So three weeks before Rosh Hashanah, he left. And he didn't know what to do. So at that time in Sydney, Australia, yeah, there was a rabbi named Rabbi Porish, who was the Rav of Sydney, Australia. And he got a phone call. Hello there. Yeah. Ah, Shulm Aleichem. Yeah. What's this? Ah. Hello. My name is Mr. Gottsheins. I'm the president of a shul here in, in Adelaide, in, in, in Adelaide, uh, sorry, Adelaide, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's a little far from you, but, you know, anyway, so uh, I, I wanted to ask you a favor. You see, you have a big place out there, Sydney's much more Jewish than over here, but, you know, the problem is, I want you to understand that our rabbi left us, and uh, we don't have a replacement yet. And we need a person to officiate like a rabbi and also have a good voice to be a Bartvila Achazin. You have somebody like that? Maybe uh, you know somebody that uh, we can call or send a letter? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, I do. Uh, 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 listen to me. What I want you to do is I want you to... Uh, uh, I give you the name and address on this person. His name is Rabbi... Chaim Gutnik. You understand? And I want you to give him a call. Yeah, sure, sure. Give him a call. There's nothing to worry about. Now, uh, you could either call him or send him a letter. Okay? Now, uh, uh, you, you know, ask him to come out there and officiate. He has a very nice... Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. You mean you have, he's a very nice voice? Yes, 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 yes. Very pleasant person. Don't worry. I recommend him. Okay? Uh, okay, okay. So, um, uh, let me send him a letter right away. Okay, and he sent him a letter right away. And uh, Chaim Gutnick gets the letter. I see. Looks like, uh, seems to be that they uh, spoke a little bit with, um, um... Uh, what kind of accent does he have? It, it, it's supposed to be like an Australian accent. It's supposed to say, 
Oh my goodness, how are you? How are you? How are you? Well, actually, believe it or not, Rabbi Gutnik was born in the Ukraine. And he lived in London, but he had a very light accent. It wasn't Ukrainian, and it wasn't so heavy uh, English. It was very light. He certainly did not have, even in his later years, okay, he told this story over three years before he was Nifta. And I want you to know, there was still no Australian accent. Okay? So I'm going to try to come as close as possible to uh, get his character. Okay, whatever you say. Okay, let me see what this here says. Okay, I'm looking at this here. And it's very interesting what I got here. Uh, let's see. Oh, they want me to come to be the rabbi and Baltfila for their synagogue. Or their shul, I guess. Uh, because, um, what's that? Oh, <laughs> seems to be that uh, the rabbi left, but they're not saying why or what. I don't want to know. Lush and horror. Okay, so let's see what's going on here. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. Oh, but, you know, I don't want to go. I have a little, <laughs> two little children, two boys, two girls. They're still little. I don't want to leave my wife. No, no, no. Not going to go away for the um type. I'm sorry. Let me write that I will not go. And so he wrote a letter that he refused to go. He doesn't want to leave his wife and children over. They're young and everything. Didn't want to leave him. Now, what did Rabbi Gutnik do? Basically, he wasn't a real shul rabbi, although unofficially he assisted as a rabbi in one of the shuls where he was, but he wasn't the official rabbi. And, but he had smicha. But what he did was, in the morning, on the, for half of the day, I should say, is that he worked for his father-in-law, who was a diamond uh, merchant and, and jewelry, you know, diamond and jewelry. And he did that in the afternoons. He would do learning, and he would do some teaching here and there. Okay, but he did not take upon himself to be a pulpit rabbi, like they call it, a rabbi of a shul, okay? So anyways, what happened was is he sent a letter back that he's not going to come, and the president got the letter. Huh? I know. He doesn't want to come. Oh, boy. We're getting closer. It's almost a week and a half to two weeks away from Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. What are going to do? Huh? Wait a minute. I know what they're going to do. going to call Rabbi Poolish again. <coughs> Hello. Ah, Shalom Aleichem. He said, no. Listen to me. You write to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Yes, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Seven seventy Eastern Parker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You write to him and tell him what you need. Tell him you asked him and he didn't want to go. Don't worry. He knows how to take care of things. <laughs> okay. Zag is Bye-bye. And sure enough, I, all of a sudden, one day, it's about a week or so before Rosh Hashanah. It's about a week or so before. And he, uh, you know, like Rabchaim goes out. I see now. Let me see now what's going on here. Ah, <laughs> let me see my mail today. Whoa, 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 whoa. A letter from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Whoa. Let me open this up. Okay. Whoa. He's writing that he's in shock. He's in shock that I didn't take the job to help out these people. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it, 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 it's... What? Oh, he says, now that you understand that you have to take this job, while you're there, I I think you should look in on the Egyptian Jews over there. Oh, my goodness. And, of course, he signed. I got no choice. I got to go. Oh, well. So I got to do what I got to do. And sure enough, he told his wife, and his wife packed him up some food and so on and so forth. And, of course, he took out the next flight and whatever, when it was possible. And he arrived in uh, what they call um, uh, Edelaide, Edelaide uh, you know, Australia. He arrived there. And when he got there at the airport, he was met by Mr. Gutheims, which was the president, and Mr. Solomon, and some other people there. And, you know, uh, they met him, and they... Brought him to a, hotel, a motel room, a hotel, whatever it is, that he would stay there. And some meals he would eat by this person or that person. But, uh, of course, Hashem people that he could trust the cashiers. But just in case, he had food and matzahs and wine from his wife prepared for him. Meantime, 
And it was Friday, uh, not Friday, sorry, excuse me, sorry. It was Erev Yomtev, Erev Rosh Hashanah. And he said, uh, you know, that he's all settled in the room. So he says, if, if, if you don't mind, I, I, I think I'm pretty well settled in my room. And, and I was just wondering, um, you know, I would like to go and see what the shul is about. I would like to, you know, check out the acoustics and everything. What do you say? Uh, all right, I will take you there myself. No problem. Uh, okay. Now, uh, uh, let's get in my car. Uh, okay, we are here. All right, now that we are here, okay, so now the next thing I want to do is that, uh, 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 listen, this is the secretary. Hello there, Mrs. Berman. Hello there. How are you? Uh, uh, anyways, uh, Mrs. Berman, if if uh, the the rabbi here, this is Rabbi uh, Goodnick, Chaim Goodnick, and he's going to be the rabbi in the Chazen, you know, for Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and so uh, he wants to check out the shul, and if when he's ready to go, if he can't find his way back to the motel, uh, so then you call me and I'll pick him up, okay? Okay, thank you, no problem at all. <laughs> uh, help yourself, Rabbi. Uh, thank you very much. Okay, let me go down here. So this is where the pulpit is. Here's the stender. About to feel I assume stands here. Let me check it out. Aha. Uh -huh. Very nice acoustics. Very, very nice. Yes, yes. No, Very good. I like it very much. Okay, not a problem. Okay, but I'm, you know, <laughs> it didn't take too long to check out because uh, I got plenty of time. Uh, you know what? I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take out a safety here and learn a little bit. Yes, why not? Okay, here we go. Let me open up some pages. Ah, here's a good spot. Ah, chazasamalochas. Why not? Okay. What's this? Something's happening here. It's a door opening over there. Somebody's coming in. Excuse me, pardon me, if you don't mind my asking you, okay, you see, um, I've got this girl over here, you know, if you notice, she's blind. Hmm, I see, this is a goyish lady here, walking with a blind girl, she, she's dark-skinned a little bit, uh, maybe she's Jewish. Well, anyway, let me tell you, I want you to know that she wants to go over and she wants to uh, pray. So where's the most holiest part in this synagogue? Uh-huh. Uh, well, the holiest part is right where the Ark is. See where that curtain is? Right now, they didn't change it for the Yom Neroyim. Uh, oh, forgot, you're not Jewish. Uh, um, um, and they, they didn't change it. It's the, the, the thing with the red curtain right up front. Right over there. Thank you so much. I really appreciate what you're doing for me. Okay, um, this way. Uh, please come this way. Thank you very much. I really appreciate what you're doing for me. <laughs> well, it's very interesting. We're going up there, but I can't hear what, what she's doing. Uh, amazing. She's kneeling down in front of the art. She's picking up the parecha. She's kissing it. Wow. She's saying something, but I can't hear her. Her tears are flowing down her cheeks. Now she's getting up, and she's leaving. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and interesting. You know, uh, excuse me, uh, Mrs. Berman, uh, may I ask you a question? Yes, what is it? Uh, Mrs. Berman, uh, 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 this person that just came in here, that girl, uh, she's about 17, she looks, you know. Uh, uh, where exactly is she from? Oh, don't mind her. She's one of those Egyptian girls. You know, <laughs> we have a small community of Egyptians that came here about um, two years ago. Uh, but don't worry a thing about them. Don't even worry. Don't even give yourself a thought. <laughs> they keep to themselves, you know. <laughs> they have nothing to do with us. 
I'm telling you, don't worry about a thing. <laughs> just uh, forget about it. Egyptian. My goodness. I just remembered something. I had a point of The rabbi said that if I'm out here ready, I should look in to the Egyptians. Uh, let me go find her. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me talk to her. Uh, uh, and of course, he ran out to see if he could catch her. But she was gone. She was gone. And then when Rosh Hashanah came and he dove in for the Amir and it was a beautiful job. And then, of course, as a rabbi over there, it's very interesting. He had a discussion a little bit earlier in the day of what the rabbi should do. And they were like, hey, you do what we tell you because you work for us. I mean, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, just a minute. Uh, I hope you know what I mean. Uh, you hire me to be a rabbi. It's the rabbi's job to teach. Uh, and, and I have to tell you guys what to do, not you telling the rabbi what to do. Do you understand? <sighs> okay. All right. This idea that you want me to do is what? I want that after the davening, you come off and you sit over there. You understand? You come off of the pulpit. You understand it? And then you come downstairs. Over there, you see? And then you come to the door, and as people are leaving, you are going to say good yantif to them, okay? This you can do? I I, I guess I can do that. Yes, it should, be, should not be a problem at all. I, 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 yeah, I could do something like that. Yeah, yes, not a problem. Okay. <coughs> so, um, uh, okay, fine, not a problem. And sure enough, he went down there to the davening, and he was saying a yandiv, and he notices a group of dark-skinned, a little bit darkish complexion people in the back of the shul, but they're not coming forward. Uh, excuse me, uh, 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 Mr. President, uh, Mr. Gatzheins, uh, 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 who are those people in the back, if you don't mind me asking? Could you please tell me who they are? Eh, don't worry about them, okay? Those people, those are Egyptian Jews. They came here about two years ago. They don't know much about Yiddish culture, you understand it? But, you know, uh, it, it's very, very interesting. <laughs> once in a while they come to Shul, once in a while they do, once in a while they pray, once in a while they don't pray, they don't, they don't know, I don't know what they do. But you know what? Uh, we don't get along 100%. And why is that? Why shouldn't you get along? Well, because, you know, most of the Jews that are here in this part of Adeline, uh, I, mean, I mean Adelaide, excuse me, Adelaide, this part of Adelaide, we people are mostly either Hungarian Jews or they are German Jews. You understand? We don't get along with the Middle East over there, you understanding? Especially people who don't know nothing about Yiddish guy much. We don't throw them out. Our Yiddish always welcome in our school. Whatever they want to do, they do. You understand? Uh, I, I see. So they don't come up to the over here to see the rabbi and say, Bujantif? Nah. Eh. They don't know about these things. Don't worry about it. Don't let it worry you. Okay. But later on that night, when... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Now the story's getting excited. What a long introduction you gave. But now, whoo-hoo. Now we understand why you're telling me. Okay, yeah, okay. Go. Now you're starting to mix me up. You're trying to confuse me. I'm very excited about this story. Go ahead. Okay. Anyways, so what happened was like this. During that night when he went to sleep, he was very bothered what happened. That none of the Egyptian Jews came forward. But he was also bothered that the Obama told him that he should think about the Egyptian Jews and take an interest to them. So he's got to do what the Rebbe asked him to do. So he went over. I mean, uh, you know, whoever has their Das Torah, uh, or Hasidic uh, Rebbe, whatever it is, if they tell you something, you know, you have to have a Munasach and do what the, the Rav or the Rebbe or your, whatever your Das Torah is. So uh, this person, Rabchaim, wanted to do what he said. So the next day, after the davening was over, after Musa, he didn't wait for the Egyptians to come up to him, no. On his way down, when he got off of his special chair that he sat, he went over and he went down to go over and personally go to the Egyptian people. 
And he walked over to them. He doesn't even know Anayim where he got his courage to do so, but he did. He walked over. Oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, by the way, what, 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 what? I forgot to tell you. At that time period, you know, uh, even though um, he was living in Australia, and even though he was a Lubavitcher Chassid, but at that time, since he was not a Rabbi Vashul or anything like that, Believe it or not, he did not have a beard at that time. And he basically didn't even wear a hat. But for since he was being hired to come to act as the rabbi over there in the shul in, in uh, Adelaide, so since he was coming there, so he had to buy a nicer suit, and he took a board a hat. But the problem is, he couldn't grow a beard so fast. <laughs> so therefore, you know, he just didn't look the typical rabbi. But nonetheless, he was a very smart and clever person. And very determined, as you're going to find out. So he went over to them and said, Good yantif to them. I get yantif, I get yantif. I would like to wish you a, a wonderful good year. And by the way, may I ask you a question? Yes, you may ask us a question. All right. Um, do you happen to know, because um, uh, you're Egyptians in the Egyptian community, you know the blind girl? There was a blind girl over here. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes, yes, yes. You've got to be know what you're talking about. That's a problem. Yes, yes. yes very, very good. Yes. And this person uh, is a relative of ours. Why? Uh, well, uh, could you do me a favor and tell her that the rabbi that came from Sydney, Australia, says that you should have a wonderful good year. I'm giving her a bracha, a blessing. Can you do that for me? Yes, we can do that, right? Yeah, we can do that, no problem. Yes, 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 we can do that. And so, sure enough, he went back to the regular door then. Uh, after that, he went to the regular door, and he was saying good to everybody else in the shul and wishing them a good year and everything. Meanwhile, during the week, he was troubled. He kept thinking about this girl, the blind girl. What was she doing? What did she dive in? What did she say? It bothered him immensely. You know what? I get an idea. Let me call up the shul office and talk to the secretary. And I'm here. Didn't the phone ring different those days? Yeah, it did, but I'm not in the mood to do that now. Oh, okay. Whatever. Anyway, so let me tell you what happened. So, uh, he calls the secretary. Um, hello, hello, hello. Hello. How are you? Oh, oh who's there? Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, Rabbi, uh, is that you? Uh, uh, yes, it is. It's I. Um, uh, it's me. I mean, well, uh, yes, Rabbi Goodney. Um, uh, listen, can you do me a favor, uh, uh, Mrs. Berman? Well, for you, I could do your favor if you tell me what it is. Uh, y yes, I, I was just wondering... If you could find out the address from that uh, blind girl. But actually, I would like to make a phone call first, okay? But finding out the address is not a bad idea because I might have to visit her. So if you could find out whatever their, um, you know, telephone number is and their address. Can you do that for me? Uh, well, I, I don't know why you want to do something like that, but, you know, it's quite dangerous what you're doing. You are walking and, and, and going into uncharted territory. They, they keep to themselves, you know, and we keep to ourselves. It's really not a good idea. Uh, well, let me decide that, okay? Thank you. All right, uh, can you get it for me? All right, I'll call you back soon. And so, sure enough, she called back. <laughs> Hello? Here's the uh, telephone number, and if you want the address, you call me back. Uh, yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, okay, so now I got uh, the uh, phone number. Let me call her up. Oh, uh, not working good. <coughs> oh, somebody's picking up the phone. Hello. Hello. Uh, yes. Uh, um. Uh. This is. Uh, rabbi uh, Heim Gutnick. I'm the rabbi that came in from Sydney, Australia. Hello? Um, can you hear me? Uh, who are you? What is your name? I said I'm Rabbi Heim Gutnick. 
a rabbi. <laughs> uh, she hung up the phone. <laughs> All right, you know what? <laughs> Let me try this again. And he called again. And she picks up the phone. And she says, Hello? Who is this? Hello, this is Rabbi Gutnick. And I would like to... I don't know you. And there's nobody that lives here. Sorry. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> and immediately hung up the phone again. And every time he tried to call, she kept hanging up the phone. It's funny. She says there's nobody living there, but she answered the phone. And why does she keep hanging up on me? Hmm. Well, you know what? I'm going to call back Mrs. Berman, the secretary, and get the phone number. And sure enough, he got the phone number, but he wanted, it means the address. Don't you mean the address? Oh, sorry. <laughs> but you're imitating me, so you're telling me, so I can only say what you want me to say. Yeah, yeah, the address. You already have the phone number. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, don't look at me like that, Gussie. Well, <laughs> yeah, you're going to go over there? Uh, I have to do what I have to do. Okay, I got the address. And sure enough, he got the address. Then he went over... And it, it was loud. Now, maybe sometime after 10, maybe uh, uh, 10.30 at night or something. And he had to take a taxi to get there. And it was uh, a little bit costly for him, but he did it. And he got there. And he says to himself, I know if she hangs up the phone on me like this, she would probably try. If she's hanging up the phone, most likely she will try to um, not just hang up the phone. <laughs> She'll slam the door on my foot. <laughs> Why my foot? Because I'm going to put my foot in the door so she can't close the door all the way. Yes, I'll try to break the ice. <laughs> Not a door, though. Okay. And so he rings the bell. <coughs> and the lady comes to the door. One second. Let me see who's there. <coughs> oh, sorry. We're not home. <coughs> The door's not closing. Let me try again. <coughs> the door's still not closing. Wait. Oh, you got your foot in the door. Could you please take your foot out of the door? Now, listen here. It cost me a lot of money to come here. And I need to come inside. And I just want to talk to you. Okay? And, and I'm going to come inside. And you're going to please let me come inside. Don't worry. I don't bite, you know. I just need to come inside. And matter of fact, do... Share maybe a cup of tea with you. What? You would trust our tea? You would drink our tea? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. And so Rabbi Gutnik came inside. And he sat down. And he drank some tea. And got friendlier with this lady, which obviously was the mother of the blind girl. And then the lady asked, Ah, uh, would you like now maybe some, uh, 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 biscuits or some cake or something or another cup of tea? Well, actually, no. But if you want to uh, accommodate me, I'm, I would like to, if possible, to see your blind daughter. Is that possible? Uh, well, all right, all right, all right. This way, this way. Well, thank you so much. And so she brought her in to a different room. And he brought him into a different room. And he sat down and there was the blind girl there. And the blind girl was sitting there. And meanwhile, the mother said, Oh, I see. I guess uh, you want to talk privately. Okay, not a problem. I'll wait outside. Not a problem at all. I'll be outside, okay? Fine, thank you. Um, young lady, what is your name? My name. <laughs> oh, please don't cry. Uh, just tell me your name. My name is Betty. Betty. Hmm. I have to find out what your Jewish name is. Okay, so your name is Betty, yes, and? Well, anyways, um, what I want to say is that, um, you, you are. <laughs> and she got up from the chair, and she fell onto the floor right before the rabbi's feet and hugged his feet and cried, You are my sign from heaven. What are you talking about? Please tell me, explain yourself. Yes, 
I will explain myself. You are a sign from heaven. You told me that already, but what do you mean? Well, what I mean is, you see, I'm blind. Uh, yes, I, I noticed that. And, and, and what's, what, 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 what well, um, you came that day to pray. Why don't you come on the regular holiday? You see, I'm not so religious. I don't know nothing about Yiddishkeit. What are you talking about? Please, calm yourself down and tell me what's going on. Okay. You see, when I was young, we lived in Egypt, okay? And then I caught a disease called trachoma when I was a little girl. And then I got blind. And then we had some problems in Egypt. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and we had some problems in Egypt. And then because of those problems in Egypt, I am, uh, uh, my, not just me, I mean, we had to move out because it was terrible for Jewish people there. So we came here two years ago and my father and mother found some work and, and we, we're not rich, you know, but we're not even close to it, but we make ends meet, I guess. And uh, they had to find a school for me. And the only school that they have for me Around here was a Catholic school, a Goyish school that helps the blind. And we couldn't afford the whole thing, but they agreed to give a scholarship. Aha, uh -huh, so I see. So right now you're in the school with a scholarship. I see. And then what happened? Well, the Galach came over to me and he started to say things to me. Like I was there for about 12 months. And then all of a sudden, this mean Gala came over to me and he said, I say now, you listen to what I'm going to tell you. Now you want to be in our steward, don't you? And you want to be able to go over and learn all you need to do as a blind person. But you see, you're on a scholarship. And I'm a member of the board here, and I must tell you that because you are not one of us, and you're on a scholarship, so the only way I could validate to give you this continuous scholarship is on one condition. And that one condition is if you're going to uh, convert to our religion. What? I should convert? Are you out of your mind? That's what I told him. But then he said, Well, you listen here. I'm going to send an official letter to your parents, and if they don't answer me, well, you're going to have problems. I'll have to send you out of the school, and I don't care where you get your education. Do you understand? I don't understand. I really don't understand you just nothing you do anyways that has anything to do with your Judaism, so why do you care if you follow it or not? Convert, and everything will be well. But I started to think to myself, and I realized, if I don't know nothing about Judaism, but I know I'm Jewish, and that's enough to make him want that I should give that up too, then there must be something more to Yiddishkeit, and I want to learn it. So I didn't know what to do. So what happened was is, um, I went over and I pretended I was sick, Erev Rosh Hashanah. And then when my parents went to work, I asked my neighbor, who was a guy, and I asked her to take me to the shul. And uh, we called it a synagogue so she'd understand what I'm talking about. So she took me to the synagogue and, and I went there and I prayed and I said, God, I don't see you. I don't think I'll ever see you because I'm blind, but I want you to know that if you're there, show me a sign, because, you know, I need to learn. I need to be able to function, and, and I don't know what to do. Please, give me a sign which way I should go. I see. Wow. And, of course, at this point, Rabbi Gutnik had tears in his eyes also. And by then... He opened the door to want to call on the parents because he wanted to help this girl. But when he opened the door, boom, 
by the door. I'm sorry I opened the door too quickly. All right, well, you know the situation then. We have to do something for your daughter. We have to help her. Well, what's the difference? We don't keep anything anyway. So what's the difference if maybe, uh, you know, she give up the Yiddish guy whatever left in this way she get education. Around here, there's no other school to put her in. There's nothing here for the blind except for this. And they don't want to give scholarship. She'll be home and there's nothing we could do for her. So they only give scholarship if she will convert. What big deal? We know nothing anyways. Now you listen to me. If there was a rabbi all the way in Brooklyn, an Eastern Parkway, who told me when I come out here to take this job to be the rabbi and the, and the chazan for the, for the high holidays, he told me, I should look in on the Egyptians. And I am. And I will take care of this girl. And you'll see. Now, where's your phone, please, if I may? Thank you. Okay. Yeah, um, um, yeah, yeah, um, hello, hello. Who uh, is calling me at uh, this time of the night? Who is calling me? It's, wow. It's a quarter to twelve in the morning. Who is calling me? Hello, uh, this is Rabbi Gutnick here calling. <laughs> now listen to me very, very carefully. I want you to pay careful attention to what I'm going to tell you, you see. I want you, are you paying attention? Yeah, Rabbi Gutnick, what's going on? It's quarter to twelve. I'm in my pajamas. Yes, yes, yes. I need you to come down to this Egyptian's house. Uh, give me the address. You know the Egyptian with the uh, blind girl? I'm very familiar with that house. I pass it every day when I go to work. Oh, just tell me, please. Just tell me, please. What do you want? I need you to come here now. Now? Quarter to twelve in the morning? I'm in my pajamas, I told you. Listen, you might be a good rabbi. You might be a good husband. But you know, I'm in my pajamas. Have a good night. See me in the morning. Wait, 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 wait. Don't hang up. Listen to me very carefully. If you don't come down here right now, and I mean right now, then you'll have to find yourself, uh, I guess tomorrow's heir of Yom Kippur, so I don't know how you're going to find it, but you have to find yourself a new rabbi and a new cantor. Okay? You have to get a new chazan. So what do you say? Uh, 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 okay, I'll, I'll be there. Uh, right away, right away. Uh, uh, but you don't have to come in your pajamas. You can get dressed. I'll wait for you. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And sure enough, he got dressed right away. And he came down to the house. And he said, Why why, on earth did you call me? What's the reason why you picked me to come? Well, I picked you for a very simple reason. You see, Mr. Lewis, you are the treasurer. And also, you work with the welfare. And other people have problems and things like that. And he went over and he told over the whole story. Well, uh, so you understand what I'm telling you? Yeah, yes, I do. Okay. So we have to raise money. So one second, she has to finish this school year, right? That's right. Uh, and she has to keep a Yiddish guy. That's right. Uh, so let me see what we're going to do. Okay, so we have to raise the money to pay off the tuition. So if she's not on a scholarship, they can't throw her out because that would be discrimination and uh, they could get in trouble, right? Uh, that's right. That's right. Uh-huh. Okay. Very good. We're going to raise the money. You don't worry about a thing. Okay? No, no. The rabbi says, no, Yiddish and Nisham is going to be lost, so you're not going to be lost. Oh, thank you. I don't know what to say. It's okay. And so what ended up happening was she got a funding that she needed, and she was able to graduate in honors. And because she saw the other Shem, she mamish wanted to go over and start keeping more Yiddishkeit. She wanted to learn much more. And, of course, uh, this Rabbi Gutnik was in touch with Rabbi Hanikov, who was one of the secretaries of uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And uh, this person made all the arrangements, and she started to learn more about Yiddishkeit. And eventually... 
eventually she would go to Eretz Yisrael and learn in a blind institute that was there in Yerushalayim. And she would learn there. And gradually, uh, uh, um, uh, gradually what ended up happening was when she was in Yerushalayim and she, was, she got eventually a teaching job as well. She was teaching the blind and handicapped and she was able to help them obviously because she knew what it was like. And it was like an amazing thing. Wow. So what, what about the she and the Yiddish guy? And everything? Oh, of course. <laughs> Living there in Israel in such a place like that. And of course, she continued wanting to learn more and more about Yiddish guy. And she did. And what happened was is she eventually married a uh, Sephardi fellow. This Sephardi fellow was, uh, you know what we call it, this Sephardi fellow was not blind. He was perfectly normal, but married her anyways. And this person went over. By the way, what's her Hebrew name? What's Betty's Hebrew name? Uh, so I'm going to tell you why I don't know it in a minute. But uh, what happened was is that uh, she got married to him, and uh, she lives in Rehoivah, in Eretz Israel, and she had four children. And now she has grandchildren as well. Now, the reason why I don't know her n full name is because she allowed Rabbi Gutnik to tell over the story, but she didn't want any fanfare. She didn't want any publicity and everything like this. She said if it helps people learn and become better people, we could tell the story, but not with her name. So that's why I don't know what her real name is, except for Betty, and we don't know her last name. And I don't know what her Hebrew name was. Okay? Anyways, uh... Wow, that was fantastic! So, in the meanwhile, um, 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 what happened, uh, to, uh... What happened to who? The other Egyptians and her parents. Oh, her parents. So let me tell you what happened. The parents began to see the other Shem too. So she went over, the mother, convinced the father, who was ready to give up this guy just to have a daughter learn, but realize that if you pray, Hashem answers if it comes from your heart. So therefore, Atfilas were answered. And therefore, he started to move towards being more from too. And he became more religious. And then when the other Egyptians in the area saw that they became from, and they're trying to learn more about Yiddish guy, they did too. And I believe, if I remember correctly, so I believe that Rabbi Chanikov set up the things over there to help them more. Okay, so now we got that. Wow. So wait a minute. So uh, 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 what about Rabbi Gudnik? What happened with him? <laughs> oh, with Rabbi Gudnik? Okay, so let me tell you. When he, I mean, he stayed there after Yom Kippur for a few more days to make sure everything was working out. And then what ended up happening, are you ready for this? I'm ready. You go ahead and tell me. Okay, so what ended up happening was, when he got back home, so he was in touch with the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and the Lubavitcher Rebbe told him, as he was telling the Rebbe, he was saying, and so I want you to know that, that uh, you, uh, you know, uh, it's unbelievable what happened is that, uh, you know, I, I turned him around. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe told him that he, that he mamish was able to take somebody from darkness and bring her to light. And she helped the blind see spiritually. So if he could do that, he should wake up also. And when Rabbi Gutnick said, what do you mean? So the Rebbe told him that this was not just a sign for the girl. This was a sign for him that he has a tremendous koyach. And now that he learned that he has a koyach to show people the light and bring from darkness to light, he should give up his other kind of work that he's doing and dedicate himself to becoming a rabbi, a rav. He should, mamish now, instead of just having the smicha, he should be a practicing rav. And so, of course, he took the Rebbe's words very literally. And he did take upon himself a job. And the job that he took upon himself was in the uh, Elwood Talmud Torah Hebrew Congregation in Elwood, which, of course, I told you before, was in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. 
which was a suburb of Melbourne or whatever, and he was the Rav from the year 1958 until the year 2003, which was when he was Nifta. So he was the Rav of that shul for over 45 years, and he has helped countless people. And I'm telling you, when I heard him tell the story, it was 40 years after that story took place. And let me tell you, he still had tears in his eyes when he told over the story. Because obviously, it's such a good feeling when you can help somebody. And when you start to realize that nothing, nothing happens in this world without the guidance of Hashem. And if you are misfollowed, no matter how tough your situation is, I can guarantee you that if you're doing it from your heart, Hashem will answer your tefillos if you are worthy, and Hashem will arrange through my selech of Hashkocha that you will have what you need. Thank you. And, oh, no more time. I got that signal. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't look at the signal. Okay, so I guess we have to say goodbye. Uh, everybody have a great Shabbos, a great weekend, and until next week, everybody, so long, goodbye.